cultures and traditional knowledge can play a major role in science and innovation, while new research on health, technology and the environment can help drive Sub-Saharan Africa's development. But what happens when communities don't speak the languages that are used to create and communicate science? I'm Michael Kaloki, and this week on Africa Science Focus, we investigate the relationship between science and language. European languages, such as English and French, dominate the science landscape. How can Sub-Saharan Africa's diverse language groups get the full benefits of modern science? And how can science benefit from our community's knowledge? Halima Athumani begins our report from Uganda. While many writers and poets are increasingly writing literature in their local African languages, aside from Swahili, not many cover science and technology. Many Africans will only use certain terms of science and technology in English because there has not been enough done to translate and popularize these words in their local languages. This has left millions of Africans at the margins speaking about and for them, but not with them. In today's episode, we examine the need for science in languages that communities speak. If science and knowledge are delivered in the English language, it has a big disadvantage to Africans. Dr. Hamisi Babusa is a lecturer of Kiswahili language and educational technology at Kenyatta University. He also writes his own science fiction stories in Kiswahili, which are based on biology, anatomy, and plant science. Dr. Babusa tells us how art and culture can be used to connect Africa's communities with science. People love arts more than science. They enjoy arts. People, uh, the general public, enjoy music, they enjoy movies, they enjoy reading good stories. What can happen when the artists and scientists collaborate so that in the art we infuse science? Now, we'll make science more enjoyable, more easy to learn for the kids. Thus, the end result will be, we'll have a science, a science tech generation. A science, um, a generation that has high scientific knowledge. And we can use our languages and our culture to develop. In that way, when when we change the attitudes of uh, kids, uh, the kids in the education system, that will be a very, very big step. Remember, I can give you an example. In Kenya, we have the Kiswahili language, but very few people like in the big cities know Kiswahili. And when they take their kids to school, they want their kids to learn English. They want their kids to learn French, but not Kiswahili very much because Kiswahili is an African language. So you see, now what happens? Now, we look, we are looked upon. We have that negative attitude towards our African, African languages, our mother tongues. So the first step is to be proud of our African languages, to be proud of our mother tongues. After that, when you are proud, now it will become easier now, now for, for the uh, scholars to translate science into these African languages so that our kids can learn science 
in their first languages and gain knowledge deep scientific knowledge so that by, by even the age of four or five years we have scientists who are inventing things in africa the movement to decolonize science aims to remove structures of inequality in the world of research and make sure that science can work for everyone by recognizing the diversity of knowledge around the world. Sibusi Sobiela is known as the decolonized science guy. Sibusiso is a science communicator, writer and public speaker. And his mission is to make science open and accessible. Okay, so one of the biggest reasons that I am into the decolonization of science uh, through which I use language to translate scientific terms and concepts is, is, isn't is just so that uh, people who don't understand English that well can uh, better understand science. It's a big benefit of it. But I think a huge uh, benefit that comes from being able to speak science in your own language is that you tend to, you're, you're better able to own the science itself and not just the knowledge that comes with it, but also uh, the thinking skills like problem solving and um, the scientific method and critical thinking. And I think it's important to have those skills and to understand them in your own language so that you are better able to spot misinformation. Mm -hmm. And and on when science and knowledge are created in English, for example, how does that disadvantage other language groups in Africa? Yes, if 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 science comes into the continent into 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 the communities, takes knowledge, converts it to 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 English, but doesn't take that knowledge back in 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 the original language and other African languages, it disadvantages uh, the very people that it's supposed to help, the very people who produced that knowledge and the value that comes with it. Uh, there's an argument that we as Africans are actually fostering decolonization of our own languages. Reason being, lately, we are basically speaking to our children in English instead of our mother tongues. Um, do you think that's true? It is. Um, unfortunately, um, to some degree, it surpasses my own um, native language of, of Isizulu in many respects. I'm still able to speak Zulu quite well with my friends and family, but the issue is I can't do that when it comes to my profession, such as science and technology. It's very necessary these days to be able to speak English so that you can do science, right? But um, I think we can do a lot to to change that narrative by making it easier to do science in other languages so that for two reasons you are able to communicate with a lot of people who wouldn't understand science otherwise if it's spoken in English, even if they do understand English. If if something is spoken to you in English and you're not a native speaker, it's you, you don't own it culturally as well as you would your own language, right? And the second reason, uh, the second point that I would like to add to that is, is that the survival of our indigenous languages um, is anchored in the idea that they can be useful in the future where science, and te- where science and technology becomes more and more relevant. And, and what do you think needs to be done to facilitate research and science in other languages? 
So the apartheid government, which communicated mostly in Afrikaans, uh, decided to make Afrikaans a language of science. They dedicated a lot of time and money and effort by making lexicons, um, having a lot of experts in the field. Uh, and they did this in the 70s. Uh, it took a very long time and a lot of money, but they were able to make Afrikaans a language of science to the point that these days where you're able to write science uh, to conduct research in Afrikaans and in English. So it can still be done for other languages as well. But then I think the first step would be to make those conversions and then uh, have a lot of education, which might take a lot of time. But then in the long run, you might have a lot of PhDs that are written in Zulu. Um, okay. And, and how do we find a linkage uh, between art and science where it can come together in Africa for research and development? you think maybe we can start with a lot of science fiction that's written in indigenous languages i mean how about that that would be that would be incredible i i got into science because of science fiction so you can imagine uh children growing up their first exposure to science is in science fiction written in their own language right um, and for a lot of kids, learning about uh, reading a lot of science fiction, it feels like magic until you realize that a lot of it is based on scientific fact, right? But to some degree, a lot of science is art um, in itself. You look at the narratives that are told, um, and uh, it, it's a lot of emotion is is in science. Um, it's 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 uh, although a lot of scientists wouldn't like to admit that because uh, the narrative is that it's objective for the first time this year a special award for science fiction written in kiswahili will be announced as part of the mabati cornell kiswahili prize for african literature the award seeks to promote kiswahili vocabulary for technology and digital rights and empower kiswahili speaking communities to join in conversations about science. Greater diversity in the languages used for science can save lives, says Dr. Eve Nabolia from the School of Languages, Literature and Communication at Uganda's Makerere University. Now, when this, uh, when this the pandemic hit, uh, the, the government of Uganda you know, made a campaign to, to, to educate people and you know, the general public about coronavirus. And this, you know, it was like this new disease. It's very serious. Please do wash your hands and everything. But what I what took caught my attention was that uh, one of the local languages in Uganda, which is the, uh, maybe spoken by the biggest uh, number of people, is Luganda. And uh, they, they they thought of a word that means flu, serious flu, flu. And so the word they thought about was senyiga omukambwe to mean severe flu infection. But remember that in, in Africa and in Uganda in particular, people have been living with flu for generations. And so nobody even stops to work because they have flu. It made it look very, you know, less serious. And that created a problem for the campaign because the general public, uh, the, the Uganda-speaking community would not understand how grave, how serious this infection is until uh, until the, the prime minister of Buganda kingdom, you know, Buganda has a, a kind of a, a kingdom, kind of a centralized government. Hmm. And so Buganda, uh, the Buganda prime minister coined another term 
to name this disease, which now gave it the weight that it deserves. And that, that's how he says it, which when translated means uh, that this disease which attacks, uh, seriously attacks the lungs and which uh, maybe shrivels the lungs. And it is now this term that has is been used of recent. And I observed that the responses now became different. People now got the message that this, this coronavirus is actually very serious now. Thank you. Okay, okay. And, and, and do you think that, uh, because you're in the line of research, do you think enough is being done to facilitate research and science in our local languages? Well, uh, it depends on how much is enough. I mean, a lot needs to be done, and I don't think we are doing enough. Hmm. One, we are constrained by what we have called our national language, uh, the official language. So long as the official language remains English, for instance, in Uganda, and I think also in Kenya, I mean, but I think Kenya is better off than us. We haven't agreed on any other language that we can use officially. So for that matter then, um, it's the language of the school, it's the language of government communications, and it's the language of all official communications. That makes the rest of the languages you know, having to work very hard to be able to, to come up. For instance, there, is, there are very few publications in local languages. And when it comes to maybe a scholastic, uh, well, uh, or curriculum or, or scholastic, scholastic materials, they're always in English. So now how will someone learn to speak about these scientific concepts in their mother tongue if forever they are looking at them and they're reading them in English? Dr. Eve Nabulia. Ending today's report on how science, language, and art can work together. To catch up on all Africa Science Focus episodes, look for us on your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Today's program was produced by Harrison Lewis. The editors were Fiona Broom and Jackie Opara Fatoye, with reporting from Halima Athumani. Africa Science Focus is produced by SciDevNet and distributed in association with your local radio station. I'm Michael Kaloki. See you again next week. This program was funded by the European Journalism Center through the European Development Journalism Grant Program with support from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation.